Well, this is going to be great as we go into the scriptures today and continuing our Easter service. Today is Palm Sunday and we're really excited about that and we're excited that you are here with us and today we're going to be reflecting from Mark chapter 11 about Palm Sunday. But as I consider our current situation and I consider the the crisis that's been happening in the world and how different governments are dealing with it and, and you know whether we like what some governments are doing or don't like what other governments are doing or whether we really are still on board with what our government is doing, none of that really matters because our hope right now is that it would be awesome if God would just come and wipe all of the evil away. That he would just get rid of it. This virus that is affecting thousands of people throughout the world would just be wiped away. That, That all of us could just get back to what it was before. Because that's what we want. When in crisis, humans want the equilibrium to be restored. We're thrown into disequilibrium and we want the equilibrium restored. But what I might suggest to us as the people of Christ in the kingdom of God, I might suggest to us that we're not even satisfied with what was going on before. Because if you'll recall, before COVID, we had other complaints. We had other issues with the way that the world was going. There were other things piling upon things that, that we weren't satisfied There were areas where we were like, we want to see the world improved. We want to see the kingdom of God established. And so we find that that in crisis, we want to get back to equilibrium. But when we really think about it, even equilibrium wasn't what we really want. What we really want is God to fulfill all of his promises. And this is the way that the Jews felt when they were in this time of Roman occupation where what they really wanted was a king to come and establish his presence, to overthrow the rulers of the Roman world, and to be a king who would establish Israel and the Jewish people back into prominence, back into the center of the world economy, back into the place where they were called to. And furthermore, they wanted to go one step further. And today we're going to be looking at what Palm Sunday is, how it represents all of those things, and how it works for us today. So before we get into that, we're just going to, um, we're just going to pray. God, I'm so thankful that you have allowed us to adapt to gather in our houses, our our living spaces, wherever we are right now viewing this service. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would connect us as a community, that right now as each one of us is watching, as each one of us is, is, is listening to what your Holy Spirit would say, God, speak to us personally. Allow us to hear your peace, to know that through it all, you are still with us, that through it all, you are going to make all things right. God, our hope right now is that you would come and restore all things. And and today we find ourselves with the same messianic hope that the Jews had when Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey. And so today as we study this text, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be with us. Allow us to see your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. So let me read Mark chapter 11, 7 to 11. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. 
and many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem, went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, it was already late. And so he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Well, in Jesus' entry, he made a statement. See, Jesus enters in a humble state. He entered in such a way that he was like, this isn't expected. This is not the normal way that a king's going to come about. And so there was an expectation of a heroic entrance of a king. There was an expectation that the way that a king comes back from war is they come back riding in on the Calvary with great news. So what I want to do is I want to take us back to the original use of the word gospel because it was a regular word in the Roman Empire. A gospel presentation was a presentation of the victory of Caesar. And this is how it was first used. So you see you see Caesar's armies and they would go out to the outskirts of the Roman Empire and they would, they would either expand the Roman Empire or quell a rebellion and they would go and then as soon as they were victorious, then they would send people back. They would send messengers all throughout the empire proclaiming the good news, the gospel that Caesar had won again. Caesar was the guy who was going to bring peace to the whole world. We eventually called it Pax Romania. Caesar was the one who was going to be lord over everything. He was set up as the king who was over other kings. And so Caesar was the person, comes bearing good news that he'd conquered and peace was going to happen. You know, in our culture, we still celebrate victory. We still celebrate victory in a big way. Think about what happened when the Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship. There were millions of people that flooded the streets of Toronto. They flooded the streets and they were cheering and they were stepping in front of the double-decker buses and the parade took an unprecedented, I think it was six and a half hours to get through the parade. There's another part of my brain that's telling me it's 11 hours and I didn't fact check that. I apologize. But it was a copious amount of time that this victory parade was happening. Well, this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is coming in, but he's doing it differently. He's not doing it in an unexpected way, but he's doing it differently. He's coming in humble on a donkey. And what we see is in Zechariah 9.9 that this exact entrance of the Messiah was indeed prophesied. It says, Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here's Jesus uh, verse 7, and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. Jesus coming in in a humble state on Palm Sunday. This is what we are talking about today. When in our world where we would just love to see the Almighty God just wipe out all of the issues in the world, all of the pandemic, all of the lack of health, all of the political unrest, all of the war, all of the economic uncertainty. We would like to see the Messiah come and wipe all of that out. God comes in a moment like that humbly. 
Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. There's such hope in that. The earth will be filled. We long for that day that the glory of the Lord is just spread abroad where every nation, every people, every race, they get to participate in the glory of the Lord. They get to see it without the, without the veil of evil covering their eyes. They see how great God is. We know that this is what we anticipate and what we hope for. <clears throat> and so God will make it all right. And he is coming to live with us. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We still live in the humble king. You know, our desire is for this, this victorious king. And, uh, and so, you know, before COVID, we knew that things needed to be fixed and evil needed to be removed from, from the world. Um, but God is definitely there as a humble king. You know, what, what good is a king that comes in on a donkey? Like, a donkey king. I mean, why? What's the value of a donkey king? When Roman soldiers oppress Israel in that day, and when the world is in crisis in our day, what is the good of Palm Sunday and a donkey king? It's, it's frustrating at times, isn't it? It's frustrating where we think that God should just be able to do more. That it's frustrating when we go like, God, come on. We're suffering here. For the sake of your name, do something. That's the way the psalmist would have put it. So, we want to see God just remove it. But he's this donkey king. Humble. Why? Here's the reason why. Because when God comes and fixes everything and he removes all evil, this is at the center of what we call God's judgment day. It's at the center when God says, this is good, this is bad, and all of the bad is removed. It's at the center where there is no more a choice. Your access point has now been decided. It's done. And God, by his grace, says, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you. If you haven't been attending church, if you've not been a person that, that knows Jesus, God is saying to you, I'm not getting rid of the evil in the world yet because I'm not at you yet. His entire mission and purpose and promise is to be with us. And he's not giving up, even in the face of the greatest evils. That's why he comes in on a donkey. That's why he says, here I am, Emmanuel, God with us on a donkey not fixing the Roman oppression, not fixing the global pandemics, but saying, I'm waiting for you to come to me. There's access here. This whole thing is so that we see the glory of God 
and we have access to it. See, we, we're, we see this continue. I'm going to read Mark as, as we go on. Verse 15 says, uh, it says, and then he came, they came to Jerusalem and they entered the temple and Jesus began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats who, of those who sold pigeons and he wouldn't allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and, and he said to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, for, for all the nations, but you have made it to a den of robbers. See, Jesus isn't turning the tables over because he's mad at the people who are working there. Jesus is turning the tables over in the religious institution that was stopping the nations from coming to him. His, his actions are saying, my house is to be a house of prayer for the nations. Jesus' heart is that all of us come to him and he will disrupt the religious systems of the day that stop people from coming to him. I, I can't help but wonder if there is a spiritual check here for the church. If we haven't had our tables just upturned. Here I am in an office preaching a recorded message that we're putting out because of a global pandemic. This has altered the structure of church. The tables have been flipped over and now here I am on the internet speaking to maybe you who you've never been associated with Promise Church. And maybe our religious systems have, have kept you out because you didn't know how to access church. You didn't really feel comfortable walking into a church building. And today I say, maybe Jesus flipped the tables of the church and said, hey, get out to the nations. That's who I called, that the whole world would see my glory. And so here we are doing our best and recognizing that, that as, a, as a church, we need to recognize our primary and secondary responsibilities. Our responsibility is to allow people to experience God. Or do we just hoard that to ourselves? Are we allowing people to experience God in their living rooms? Are we allowing people to experience God when we see them on the street? God's calling us to this. And our secondary mission is to foreshadow the fulfillment, to, to, to foreshadow what it looks like when the kingdom is actually established. During this disruption, what are we doing as a church? I mean, we are doing things, but, but consider in your own action, what are you doing as a family that's saying, I'm going to push against this darkness and I'm going to bring hope to people who otherwise may not have had the hope of Jesus. God is meeting us through humble entry. See, the humbling neither started nor ended with this donkey story. The humbling of Jesus started when here he was sitting on high. God Almighty has everything. Philippians 2 says, uh, says he who was in the very nature God did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped. Like, come on, let me, let me read it. It's, it's Philippians 2, 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that he who is in the very form of God did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the very form of a servant. 
He was God. And then he became a servant, a, a finite person for eternity. The sacrifice starts way early when he made his choice. And it doesn't stop the donkey. It continues on. And he goes all the way to the cross. We continue this hymn of the church. And it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. And even to death on a cross. The most humiliating way to die. God has humbled himself. And in humble entry... He invites you to engage with him. He's not positioning himself as the great superior and saying, you must attain to me. No, God has done the exact opposite. He has humbled himself to become the servant, saying, you can come to me as an equal, as one as one who became like you in appearance, in all ways, so that we can have this relationship. He didn't come this time just to eradicate all of our problems. He came this time to fix the greatest problem that we've been separated from the divine. And so he came kind of looking like an equal, a human to be with us. God established his reign over the whole world through this humble action. Because guess what? The evil that exists, the worst it can do to you is kill you. The worst that any evil can do to you is kill you. And Jesus accepts all of the weight, all of the consequences of all of the evil that's happened in the world history. And it does that. It kills him. And he dies. But Jesus did not stay dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, he showed that he is more powerful. More powerful than the greatest power of evil. He removed the greatest weapon of the enemy and said, your your ace up your sleeve, your weapon that you think that can end this, doesn't end this. Jesus resurrected from the dead. The central tenet of the Christian faith is Jesus' resurrection. Without the resurrection, the Bible says that we are all without hope. And so the central tenet of the the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus. And so God's reign and kingdom, it's not come yet for a reason. Because there are still more people that need to know the love and the change that Jesus brings, that that need to join in with God in the push against the darkness. See, when Jesus does return, all evil will be removed. All viruses will be destroyed. Injustices will be stopped. Suffering will be removed. And temptation to partner and participate with the evil will be taken away from us. God is going to dispel all darkness. So you and I, wherever you find yourself, have been invited into the kingdom of God by a humble king who comes into Jerusalem on a colt, on a donkey, and flip the normal religious systems of the world upside down. God, thank you for your humility. Teach us to be humble.
Teach us to not put ourselves over somebody else just because we think we have a greater status or a better car or however we measure our status. Teach us to put ourselves to be servants the way that you did. And God, I pray that we would take advantage of this day while it's still called today, that we would take advantage of a day that the, that the God came in to the world as a donkey king so that I can have access to an almighty God, so that I can connect with a human. And God, I pray that as we move forward as promised church, that we would find our ways to continue to serve. If this is something where it's an eye opener for us, God, open our eyes so that we can be more in line with what you are doing in our town. In Jesus' name, amen.